This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. So if it's your first time, first time back in a while, first time to worship with us online, we are thrilled that you're here today. Uh, before we jump in, I want to say good job to Pastor Cream and Pastor Amy. The last couple Sundays, they've done just a wonderful job uh, preaching to us, sharing God's word with us. We join me absolutely. So excited to, to have so many uh, good preachers on staff uh, with us. It, it really makes makes my life so much more fun, uh, knowing not only that when they come up here, they're going to do a good job, but I know that's what Kareem's doing upstairs on Wednesday nights with our kids. I know it's what Amy's doing on Sunday mornings with our, our kids, and so they are hearing the gospel proclaimed in ways they understand and can apply, and it, it really does make a, a massive difference to them. So it's good to see you today. Uh, we are kicking off a new series called Kingdom Builders. So at Christian Chapel, Kingdom Builders is a way that we fund the work of God all over the world. So Kingdom Builders, at the end of this month, we're going to have an opportunity to make some commitments to give over and above our usual giving. Through that, we support over 50 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations around the world. We support Royal Family Kids, a ministry for children in foster care here in Tulsa County, crisis pregnancy outreach for women and babies affected by um, unexpected pregnancies. We support outreach through local elementary schools, through different parts of our town, through the, to the overlooked and unseen in our community. We also make next generation investments in our kids, our, our junior high and high school students, and our interns through our Kingdom Builders giving. Um, so uh, don't, don't kind of get it wrong. It's not a month of give me your money. It's a month of let's focus our hearts, our minds, and our souls on what really matters, what God has really called us to build, and that is then going to affect the way we make our financial investments. Um, start off with some good news, though. Last year, through your faithful giving, I, I haven't seen the completely finalized numbers yet, but it looks like last year, Christian Chapel gave away over $400,000 through our Kingdom Builders Fund. Um, so congratulations to you for your faithfulness. We're thanking God for his faithfulness to us. And on top of that $400,000, we were able to give another $100,000 to Crisis Pregnancy Outreach to help fund their move into a new facility. Uh, we provided that to CPO as a matching grant. And then they were able, on top of our 100000 to raise another 150000 to help fund their move into their new facility over at 61st and Highway 169, where they're going to be more visible, reach more women, save more babies, and change more families. Uh, so all told, that means 400000 in Kingdom Builders, another 100000 out of general fund to CPO for, for a Kingdom Builders project. Last year, over half a million dollars was given away from Christian Chapel to be part of what God is doing all around the world and in our community, and I am excited to see. I mean, in, in, in 2020, that's what God did, and so we are excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I got to be 100% honest with you. You guys clap like 500000 is not a big deal to you. Uh, like, that's a lot of money to me. If it's not to you, please come talk to me afterwards, because uh, we've got some plans at the church. I've got a 16-year-old that's about to drive. I've got three kids that need to go to college. Like, we've got some things we can do if that's not a big deal. But for the rest of us, we know that is, that is a massive sign of God's faithfulness, blessing, and generosity that he's bestowed on us. It's a sign of your good stewardship and turning that back over to him. And so as we head into a new year, I just want to remind us, God was faithful 
in 2020. And he's going to be faithful in 2021. And we didn't see hardly anything coming last year. And we don't, I mean, from the start of this year, we clearly have no idea what's going to happen. But he does. He's in control. He will be faithful. We can trust in him. So we're going to start off with kingdom builders. It's a way we start every January because it's a way for us to remember whose kingdom we really live for, whose kingdom really matters. Kingdom builders in January is basically a way for us as a church and us as believers to remember the finish line we're running towards. Where are my runners in the room? Anybody? Anybody a runner would call yourself? No? You know what? So that actually makes sense. They all came to the 915 service. Because literally in there, there's like 20 people like, yes, and they probably, I mean, we know what they did, right? They're not here, so we'll talk about them. Uh, they, they got up early, like they were up at 6, and they were out running, and then they had to come to the 915 service because they probably had to go run again later this afternoon. Because uh, there's just something that when you become a runner, you kind of lose your mind, right? But here, so I, I had a, a period, so growing up, like I played basketball and did some other sports, and running was punishment. So I, I had no interest in it. You only ran if you did something wrong. Uh, and, and so then I, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, I started doing a few triathlons with a buddy, and, and it turns out you have to run in those. Who knew? Uh, but so you have to run, so then I had to start actually training to run, and, and there was this short little period where I, I actually semi-enjoyed it. Um, it was short-lived. It's over now. Uh, but, but it happened, and, and what I learned, though, was one of the differences in how much I enjoyed running was if there was a goal. If I had a goal, I could run. If I had signed up for a race, okay, I can go and I can do the training and I can do all that. On, on the day of the race, no problem at all. I will, I will run until it feels like my heart's going to explode because there's a goal, there's people to beat, right? There's this lady chasing me and I can't get beat by her. And, and all of these things kind of come up and I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Previously though, and, and even now, like if, if you came up to me and said, hey, let's, let's go for a jog. Uh, well, first I would say no. And then secondly, if I did, I would be like, this is a jog, not a race. And when you go for a jog, you are free to stop when you get tired. You're free to go into the donut shop if you run by it, <laughs> right? You're free to just kind of hang out. Like, we live out in Broken Arrow, and our neighborhood's along the, the creek turnpike, so there's a trail that runs along the creek turnpike, and in the summer, there's some uh, wild blackberry bushes on the trail. Now, when I was training for a run, I would run right by those and run right back. When I would go out for a jog, I would stop and walk the whole length and pick them and eat them and come back and Andrew back, you ran for an hour. I'd be like, yeah, I ran for an hour. You know, I ate blackberries for 45 minutes of that, but sure, let's say I ran for an hour. Uh, you know, so there's a, there's a difference. Now, what I want to remind us of this morning is we have a finish line as followers of Christ. The scriptures tell us where our story ends. They tell us where the story of the world ends. And so we want to keep that finish line in mind because if we don't, we're going to get distracted by everything along the way. And we're going to give our time and our energy and our attention to dozens of different little rabbit trails that pop up here and there. And they're, they're not really going to amount to anything. So if you want to know what our finish line is, it's Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. So John is describing a scene in heaven. A kind of the, the culmination of the age, the end of all things. He says, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever and ever. This is where our story ends. 
with Jesus returning, with him ruling and reigning, with him wiping every tear from every eye, with him banishing every form of evil and oppression, with him reinstituting in a new heavens and a new earth his rule and reign where we live in perfect harmony with God, with each other, with all of creation. This is where we're going. And so at the beginning of a year, we want to stop and say, Lord, if that's where we end, then how do we run now? How do we work now? How do we live now? Now, this approach is not sticking our heads in the sand and avoiding the issues going on in the world around us. Instead, it's choosing to lift our eyes up and to see what's going on in the world around us through the finish line that God has already promised. We can panic, we can freak out, we can lose our minds, we can argue, we can rant, we can rave. But what John is telling us is, look, here's how your story ends, here's how my story ends, here's how all of our story ends. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. So kingdom builders is not just about, hey, let's give some money to some missionaries and pat ourselves on the back at the next year. It's about let's dedicate our lives to the kingdom of Christ because it's the only thing that lasts. So if you, if you really want to be encouraged to start a new year, I want you to think of all the things that matter to you. Think of your job. Think of your home. I think, of, think of that car that you finally got. Think of the education you're pursuing, the scholarship, the team you're going to play on. And as you think of that, now think of all of that is going to crumble. Right? Your, your home someday, it's going to fall into disrepair. It's going to be sold to someone else. They're going to tear it down and build something else. Your car that you love so much, it's going to be rusting in a junk pile somewhere. The money that you have worked so hard to save and pass on, your kids or grandkids are going to blow it and forget your name, right? Just the way it works. Like we all eventually are going to end up as a unkempt grave in a cemetery somewhere. Ready, right? Like, aren't you glad you came to church? Yeah, kingdom builders. What is this? Right? But here's, here's our hope. Long after my name has been forgotten, long after everything I did has been forgotten, long after everything I built has been torn down, the ways that I have invested my life with the eternal kingdom of Christ will endure. And the only way to ensure that my life matters is to attach everything I do to his kingdom and to completely and totally and relentlessly surrender to that. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a kingdom goal that we should all have for 2021. Next week, we'll talk about how we pursue kingdom goals in kingdom ways. Later this month, we'll hear from one of our missionaries about how God is working all over the world. And then we'll, we'll wrap up on the last Sunday of January by having an opportunity to make our, our kingdom builders commitments financially this year. Uh, but today, I want to invite you to make a kingdom builders commitment with your heart, with your soul, with your life. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 15. So it says, he said to them, he being Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, if you have, have your copy of the scriptures with you, either uh, physically or digitally, you'll notice there's probably a little um, header above verses 9 through 20 that says, this portion of Mark is not included in the earliest manuscripts. So basically what that means is, is in the oldest copies we have of Mark, it stops at verse 8. At some point, verses 9 through 20 were added in and have continued to be part of that. So, um, you know, normally we would have a little caution to preach through these verses because uh, of some of that. But I, I don't have any caution at all 
about preaching from Mark 16, 15, because it's a great commission. We find the same thing echoed in Matthew chapter 28. We find the same thing echoed in Acts chapter 1. This statement of Jesus is affirmed to us several times in the New Testament. We know he said this. We know he said it to the disciples, and we know he said it to us. And so this morning, I just want to kind of work through it real simply, word by word, and and see what it says to us. Now, I I don't know about you, but uh, 2020 burned all of my New Year's resolutions. Every plan I had by March, it was just kind of wadded up and throw it away. I've done a lot of planning. Going into 2021, uh, I have a a totally different approach. Personally, in our family, uh, here at Christian Chapel, uh, we're planning everything about six to eight weeks at a time. Of just, hey, we'll, we'll trust, we'll see what the Lord does, we'll see where he leads. And, and I'm kind of having a hard time with that, honestly, because I, I prefer the 6th, the 12-month. We've got the calendar, we've got the dates, we've got everything laid out. But it's just not how it works this year. And so one of the things over the, the past couple weeks as I've been praying is God has led me back to this again and again and again of, hey, my personal goals, I might not be able to plan them in the same way. I might not be able to attain them in the same way that I would have in other years. But this kingdom goal that he lays out for us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, is going to be accomplished no matter what 2021 holds. It was accomplished in 2020. It's been accomplished in every year since the coming of Christ and will be accomplished every year until the return of Christ. So as followers of Jesus, this is the kingdom goal we're going to attach our life to. And the first part of that goal, Jesus says, is go. Go. Now, when Jesus says go to us, It is not just a verb, it's a command. This is what you have to do. You have to go. Following Jesus is a life of action and it's a life of movement. Where you are is not where you're always going to be. What you're doing is not what you're always going to be doing. We know this, we experience it, but we need to hear it from Jesus. His command is go. Now when he says go, you and I should go. You, you probably know the frustration, if, if you're a parent, I'm sure you know the frustration, of when you're at your house and you say, let's go, and you get a response back, if you get a response back, and the response back is, okay, and then you look, and nobody's going, there's just all a bunch of sitting, and you're like, I said, let's go, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming, you're not coming. You're not going, you're not doing, you're sitting, let's go, right? When I say let's go, what do, I, what do I expect my kids to do? Go, like let's go, take out the trash, let's go, get in the car, let's go, get your homework done, let's go, oh my goodness, please brush your teeth, just let's go, let's go do it. And the response is like, eh, you know, yeah, okay. Now as a parent, it frustrates me, but then when it gets reversed, eh, it's not such a big deal. So, so my kids, they, they've kind of got to this point with me where they know uh, when they tell me let's go, my response is okay, and then I'll go when I'm good and ready to go, right? Because in, in our house, I'm sure it's the same in your house, like when you're the, the taxi, when you're the financer of everything that happens, when you're the one that does it all, like it's okay for you to then kind of work by your schedule. And so they'll tell me like, hey dad, tomorrow we've got to go at seven, We've got to go at 7 to get to school. I'm like, that's fine. We'll go at 7. No, Dad, we have to go at 7. I got it. We will go at 7. Dad, every time you say we'll go at 7, we go at 
I, I know, but we get there on time, right? I know how long it takes to get places. You don't know street names. Uh, so, so just back off a little bit, and I'll get you where I need to get you. Right? And, and so, so I, I get it from both sides. I get the frustration of I said let's go, and you said eh, right? Like let's go means put the Fortnite headset down, stop yelling at your friend in Owasso, and get in the car right now. Now, when you say it to me, I hear let's go as, hey, dad, whenever you're good and ready and it's convenient because we appreciate everything you do for us and we're so grateful that you provide for us in such an amazing way, I would appreciate a ride and then I'm going to tell you how much I love you the whole way there. That's what I hear, right? And so some of us, when we hear Jesus say go, we think, yes, everyone else should immediately obey. And when we hear him say go to us, we think, when I'm good and ready, I got to finish. I've got some stuff over here at work I'm trying to knock out. I've got some stuff at school I need to do. Yeah, I know you want me to go, but Jesus, I've got some plans first. But what we need to understand, if, if the Great Commission is going to be our kingdom goal, we have to understand go means go. Go means go now. Now, for the disciples, they hear this command from Jesus, and it would have been tempting for them to say, okay, we're going to go. We're gonna just going to go back and hang out and wait. But go was an invitation into a life of action. And as you follow the stories of the disciples through the New Testament, you see they took it seriously. They went from where they were. They went back to Jerusalem. They waited for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. When they were filled with the Spirit, they began to go into all the world. And this is Jesus' plan. He's going to take you wherever you are now, whatever you're doing. You've lived long enough to know the end of 2021, your life will look different than it does right now at the beginning of 2021. And you're going to go to some places you want to go to. You might go to some places you don't want to go to. You're going to go into some situations where you celebrate. You might go into some situations where you mourn. But we go with confidence knowing that if God commands our going, he will be with us. He'll be before us every step of the way. So Jesus says go. He also says go into. So it's not just about we're going to arrive at a place. It's that we are going to enter into a place. And you know the difference. So when I was a kid, we had, um, we had some bird dogs. And they were great dogs, but they were terrible on a leash. So you would put them on a leash, and they would just try to take off through the neighborhood. They sounded like they were choking themselves on, the, on their collar the whole time. They were just, go, 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 go. Uh, this past spring, we were visiting my dad, and he, he got a dog that did something I'd, I'd never seen before. You put her on the leash, and she would walk to the end of the driveway, and then she just sat down. And she was done. That was as far as she wanted to go. Now, when Jesus says go, he's not saying you go as far as you want to go. He's saying you need to go eagerly. You need to go expectantly. You need to go with a sense of urgency into the places that I'm calling, that I'm directing, that I'm leading, and that I'm guiding. All right, so, so let's give ourselves kind of a, a mental picture of what we don't want to do. Going into does not look like a dog on a leash going to a vet, right? It doesn't look like this. It's not it. Okay, so this is not how we're going into 2021. Some of us, it's how we feel we want to go into 2021. I'm just like, I, nope, I will just wait and see because it ended poorly and it's starting poorly. So uh, I'll just kind of hang out this year, but that's not what we're called. Into means in it. You've got to fully engage in the places God is directing you. As you go, you don't just go to observe. You don't just go to sit on the sidelines. You go to jump in. It's the difference between going to the ocean and going into the ocean, between coming to church and going into church, 
before standing before God and entering into his presence. When Jesus says your kingdom goal is to go, it's to go into the places he's leading you, into the relationships he has for you. And whether they are wanted or unwanted, whether they were sought out or set upon you, does not matter. Where you are, you are to be all in and totally invested. For the disciples, the temptation would have been, hey, we're going to go into, okay, let's go into Jerusalem and hole up until Jesus comes back. But he kind of takes that off the table for him and he lets them know, you're going to go, and when you go, you're going to enter in, but where you're going to enter in is not Jerusalem, it's not where you're comfortable, you are going to go into all the world, he says. Now, now we kind of rush through that of like, oh, no big deal, you know, we travel, we do things, we go different places. For the disciples, their whole life had been in a really small geographical area. And so when Jesus tells them, you're going to go into all the world, right? in, in, in Acts chapter 1, he tells them, you're going to go into all the world, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, they'd be like, okay, Judea, okay, Samaria, nope, and the ends of the earth, what is that? No concept of it. These are men who had a very small, localized lifestyle. And the center of their world, of their religion, was Jerusalem. So if they were going to be sent anywhere to establish the kingdom of God, surely they would be sent back to Jerusalem. But what does Jesus tell them? Go into all the world. You're going to go into all the world. You're going to have to cross lines of race. You're going to have to cross lines of language. You're going to have to cross lines of religion. You're going to have to cross the lines of culture and custom and politics. You're going to have to leave your hometown. You're going to have to leave your country. This is what all the world meant for the disciples. And we see that they were obedient to it. They went into all the world. And they didn't just go, but they went all in in all the world. It's the same call for you and me. It's not just that, hey, you might get called into some new spaces or new places. Right? Some of us, it's, it's the start of 2021. We're not going to live in Tulsa at the end of 2021. I don't know who that is. It's hopefully not me. I don't think it's me. I don't know if it's you. I don't think it's you. But I know from my experience of 15 years at Christian Chapel, people move. God directs, God leads, God guides. He does different things. But wherever he leads you, wherever he calls you, when you arrive there, your job is to go all in there. And here's what we want to stop to think about for a minute is you and I are here this morning because the disciples were obedient to this kingdom goal. They could have decided, no, that's too hard. That's too inconvenient. We're going to face suffering. We're going to face persecution. We're going to be rejected. We're going to be ridiculed. We're going to be beaten. We're going to be arrested. Some of us are going to be killed. It's not worth it. Let's just stay here and wait for Jesus to come back. But they were obedient. They went. They went into all the world. And as they went into all the world, what did they do? They followed the command of Jesus to preach the gospel. Everywhere they went, they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling others about his goodness, about his grace, about his glory, about his power. And you and I are here today because of their obedience. Because they set the model, this is what Christians do. We hear Jesus say go, and we go. We hear Jesus say into, and we go into, and we engage. We hear Jesus say all the world, so we'll cross the lines that make us uncomfortable. We'll enter into the relationships we would rather avoid. And and we know when we get there, we're supposed to preach the gospel. You see, when we go, we're not just going to be observers. We're not just going to hang out, but we are going with a very clear purpose, a very clear mission. Everywhere God sends you, he expects you to preach the gospel. 
Now, there's, there's some difficulty we have there because we hear a word preach and we have a very defined idea of what it means to preach. Right? To, to preach is to do what I'm doing now. Like, there's a platform, there's a pulpit, there's a manuscript, there's a microphone, there's feedback later in the week from what you did well and what you didn't do well, right? Like, there's, there's just this whole, whole world of preaching. And for some of us, it's like, I'm, no, not like you are going to shoot me before I will ever do that not speaking in public. I'm not doing that. We think, oh man, I can't preach. I, you know, I, I didn't have the training. I don't know how to formulate the thing. I, I, you know, I'm probably going to say some stuff I regret. It's, you know, yeah, you will. Uh, you know, but, but this is just, we have this thing about, I just, I just can't do it. But I want to help you this morning when Jesus tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's not saying you have to gather a big crowd. He's not saying you have to become a public speaker. He's not saying you have to be really eloquent and know where it's going to end when you start. To preach is just to tell the story of Jesus. And so all that's really required to preach is a person who has experienced the gospel, who is willing to tell their story to someone else. And so you can preach everywhere you go. You can preach all the time. You preach when you read a Bible story to your toddler and pray with them before bed. You preach in your classroom when you're telling people about what Jesus did and how he worked in your life. You preach in a conversation with your neighbor where you're telling them how you're navigating uncertain times. You preach in the middle of your celebration when you're giving glory and honor to God. You preach in your success where you're telling others how God arranged your footsteps for you to arrive at this place in this time. You preach in your mourning and in your grief when you express there's this joy that I don't understand and this peace I can't describe, but I know it comes from Jesus Christ. You preach when you tell stories of God's provision. You preach when you tell stories of his intervention in your life. You preach when you understand that all of my story is a gospel story. You preach when you understand that every story in the world is a story where the gospel story is being played out. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to have it all together. All you need is to have experienced the gospel and to open your mouth. And as you do, the scriptures promise that the Spirit himself speaks through us. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe preach is the problem. So let's, let's change that. Other translations use the word proclaim. To proclaim is just to, to tell about it. Right? Just to, to proclaim, this is the goodness of God. This is what God is doing in my life. This is what I'm learning. These are the spaces where I'm still hoping he'll intervene. These are the spaces I'm still longing. I'm proclaiming my desperate need for him here. But as you open your mouth and begin to speak, God uses your words to put words on what he's doing in the life of someone else. Right? Spirit-inspired proclamation puts words on what God is already doing in the world. So, so some of us, maybe at times, we think, okay, kingdom goal, I'm going to go, go into all the world, I'm going to preach the gospel, uh, but what, how do I know what to say? How do I know I'm going to get it right? How do I know this is the right time, this is the right place? So, so just a, a couple of things for you here. First of all, anytime you feel inspired to speak about Jesus to someone else, that's the Spirit inspiring you to do that. Right? The, the devil doesn't inspire people to tell people about Jesus. Your pizza from last night doesn't inspire you to tell people about Jesus. That is the Spirit of God at work in you, prompting you to speak, to tell the story. So when that happens, just start to tell the story. 
And what you will find is as you tell the story of what God is doing in your life or you tell the story of what you see God doing in someone else's life, God will use the words that come out of your mouth, no matter how imperfect they might be, to put language on what he is already doing in the life of the person you're speaking to. So we can proclaim the gospel clearly and effectively and with extreme confidence because we know, I know, I'm never going to talk to someone about Jesus that the Holy Spirit has not already been working in their heart. But especially if they're not a believer, they might not have the language or the experience to know what's going on inside of them. And so as I, as I stand over here and I'm willing to tell them my story of hate, so, so Angie and I were seeking direction in this area, and as we're praying, we just, there's kind of this feeling that comes in our, in our gut, and it's just a stirring, and we can't get comfortable, and we can't find peace, and so we know we, we haven't arrived at an answer yet. But we're just trusting because we know from our experience with the Lord, the more we pray, the more we seek Him, the more we turn to the Scriptures, the more He speaks to us. And eventually with this decision, we know we're going to reach a point of peace. And at that point of peace, we're going to walk down. When I tell that story, what my unsaved friend or family member hears is, I, I too have that experience. I have that turning. I have that longing. I have that sense of discontent inside of me. But they don't have the language to put on what is happening. And as they hear me talking about this is how God works and this is how God speaks, they're starting to see and hear and understand it's God who's working, it's God who's speaking, it's God who's keeping me up at night, it's God who's bringing this sense of unease. And if he's bringing it, then he must be the solution for it. And you begin to direct them in that way. And so, so here's what you've got to understand. It's not about your eloquence, it's about your obedience. Will you just step in and open your mouth and start to speak? I, I can't tell you how many times it's, it's happened, right? where, where whether it's a, a sermon on a Sunday or it's a conversation I've had with a, a, somebody from Christian Chapel or a neighbor or a friend where they have told me, hey, I heard you say this, whatever it was, fill in the blank, and God used it to speak to me and he said this to me. Right? And they're telling me, like, and it confirmed, or it helped, or it challenged, or it convicted, it propelled, I'm going. And they're great stories to hear, but here's, here's the really funny thing is, most of the time when they tell me what I said, I either know I did not say that, or I have no memory of saying that. And there have been some times where I know 100% certainty, I did not say that because that is really eloquent and well-spoken and kind, and that just, it, that, that was not from, that came from somebody, it came from the Lord, is who it came from, right? And so I just, I instead, I just celebrate with them, say, hey, I'm so glad God spoke to you. That's amazing. That's incredible. And the same thing will happen to you. As you begin to open your mouth and speak to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, he will use your words to confirm what he is already doing in the heart of the person you're speaking to. Because he's never inviting you into a space that he's not active. This is the beauty of the kingdom goal. Jesus gives us goals that he fulfills for us. All that's required is our obedience to step into that direction. Now, for, for some of us, when it comes to preaching the gospel, the, the challenge for us is it actually takes time to preach the gospel. Right, so, so it means this year in 2021, as you make preaching the gospel wherever you go, one of your kingdom, one of your personal goals, your schedule and plans are going to be interrupted by opportunities to share the gospel with someone else. And in that space, especially for you type A's, right? I know already you're like, no, he's a God of order. He will let me know so I can put it on my calendar. He, it's not going to happen that way. There's going to be moments where you are on mission. 
You are doing the thing. And here comes the opportunity, whether it's your child, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a classmate, one of your students, a coworker. And in that moment, we're going to have to trust that the prompting of the Holy Spirit is the direction to follow, even at the expense of our personal calendar and time frames. Now, now I get that. I mean, I'm right there with you. Hey, when when I make the list, I want to stick to the list. Right? And if you want to change the list, I need two days' notice. And then we can change it, and we can make our adjustments and go from there. But I, I'm learning. This is not always how God works, because he's the one who's in charge, not me. So uh, earlier this week, Angie and I were coming home, um, coming home late. I honestly don't remember if it was from church or, or a basketball game. Those were really the only two places we go, so it was one of those. Uh, but we were coming home. I think actually it was Monday night right? Yeah, Tuesday, yeah, Monday night, because trash day is Monday. So we come home, the way you remember things, right? So, so we come home, it's late, we've been at watching one of our, our kids' friends play basketball, we come home, and trash can's still outside, so I am, everybody goes inside, it's cold outside Monday night, I don't have a coat, but I'm just going to put the trash can up real quick in the backyard. So I grab it, kind of going around, um, and I get about halfway there, and I hear one of my neighbors down the street just kind of holler out in the darkness, hey, Chris! I thought he was just saying, hi, again, I'm cold, I'm on mission, it's late, my mission is to go inside and go to bed. And uh, hear him, so I just wave, you know, like you've done that with the neighbors, of like, hey, Chris, you think they might want to talk, but it's, if I just keep dragging the trash can and wave with my other hand, he'll understand. <laughs> hey, how are you? He's like, you got a minute? <sighs> sure, yeah, yeah, what's up? So I cross the street, and we're talking, and, and he's, he's a great guy, he's a Christian guy, uh, love him, love his family. And he says, hey, um, so I know you're a pastor. It's like, okay, all right, so we're going to be here a while. Um, you, you know, yeah, yeah, sure am. And, and he was really kind, you know, said some nice things to me, and then it was a little better. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, keep going. Um, but he said, hey, I was, just, I was just wanting your opinion on something real quick. And I'm like, I, you know, nobody's ever accused me of being short on opinion. So, yeah, what do you want to know? Um, you know, you want to know who's going to win the Super Bowl? It's Chiefs. Uh, you, you know, any, anything. He said, hey, what do you think? I had a lot of family members that are really panicky, and, and I'm trying to, trying to figure it out. What do you think? He said, is this, is this vaccine a way they're going to give us the mark of the beast and track us everywhere? <laughs> oh, you, you want my opinion? On, I'm going to need to get a coat. You're going to need to get a coat. should probably get some coffee. Like, I got lots of opinions here. I got opinions for days on this, right? Like I get, yeah, yeah, that's going to be the way that they track us. You have a phone and GPS, right? Like how many of these people are like, I don't want a vaccine. They're going to track me. Hey, Alexa, tell me about how they're going to track me with my vaccine. Like, just come on. There is a complete loss of logic. And I got opinions for days about this. Broke my watch. I had so many opinions about it. But in that moment, spirit inspired proclamation not Chris-inspired proclamation, right? All of my opinions and all of my thoughts, they are not going to lead anywhere. And so, so thankfully, the Spirit spoke just enough that I knew I don't need to go down any of those roads. And so we had, we had literally about a two-minute talk of, hey, man, I'm not afraid at all. Like, I've gotten every vaccine that's ever been recommended to give to me. If my doctor take, tells me to take a pill, I open my mouth and ask him to put it in. Like, I am not, I'm not a medical expert, but you ask my opinion as a pastor, so, so let me tell you my opinion as a pastor. My opinion as a pastor 
is that Jesus has said the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So there's nothing that anyone can do to me. There's nothing that anyone can say to me. There's nothing that anyone can put inside of me that's going to separate me from him or that's going to keep his kingdom from coming. So when I think about, am I going to get a vaccine? Am I not going to get a vaccine? I have hope and I have peace and I have joy. And I believe the Lord will direct. And he might direct you in a different way than I do. And I don't care. And I don't want to hear about it. Right? And so we had this talk, and, and he's just like, hey, thanks. He said, as I've been praying, that's what I felt like God was saying to me, but the noise was so loud that I should be afraid, that I should be terrified, that I should, and he said, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me, just have peace and trust me, and I'll direct you to do the right thing, right? And, and so in that moment, I don't go out to get the trash cans that night thinking, Here's going to be an opportunity for me to proclaim the peace, the hope, the joy we have in Jesus Christ. I go out thinking, I need to get the trash cans back so I can go to bed. But there are going to be times, there are going to be spaces and places this year where you go in with one mission and you get there and God says, guess what you're going to do here? You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to proclaim the goodness and the glory of God. You thought you were going to work, but I'm going to turn it into a church service. You thought you were just going to have a fun trip with your neighbor. I'm going to turn it into a time where you get to expound and explain the goodness, the glory, the grace of Jesus Christ and how it pours out. And here's what I can promise you. There will be times when you preach, you proclaim, and it's rejected. It's unheard. It's a thanks but no. But there are going to be other glorious, eternal, eternally changing times where people say, that's exactly Exactly what I've been waiting to hear. And as they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, you participate in his kingdom and you're building things that last. But you've got to be willing to speak. Right? You can't proclaim, you can't preach without opening your mouth. So, so let's just take like what I'm doing here this morning. Because there's this thought sometimes in the church of, yeah, you know, there, there are people who preach with their words, but I preach with my actions. And I get that, and I understand what you're saying, and I agree with it. Of our actions should match our words, right? And, and we should preach the gospel, and people should know we're Christians, even if we're not able to tell them directly. I understand the restrictions of some of the places you work. I get all of that. But I also know gospel proclamation always requires gospel speaking, there comes a point where you have to open your mouth and you have to start to tell the goodness and the glory of God. So, so next Sunday, let's say I come up and I'm like, hey, so today I'm going to preach the gospel with my actions for 30 minutes. Now, my personal mime routine only lasts about 90 seconds. So, you know, once I've done showing you like Jesus running, I don't know if he ran or, or getting nailed to the cross, like at that point I'm done, I'm out. I don't have any, I'll let, like lay down and come up and we hope you get that that's Jesus rising from the dead, right? I'll like come and do this thing. I don't know, that, that seems to do something with the heart. I, I don't know. But at some point, we're all gonna kind of sit and think like, he, he's, he's actually lost his mind. He's legitimately, totally been telling you for a while we should probably look around. Now it's, now it's time, right? Because why? Because you know, gospel preaching requires speaking. And some of you are already like, no, I would just use sign language. That's language too. It doesn't count, right? And so there comes a point like, yes, preach the gospel with your actions. The way you conduct business, people should know. The way you speak to your spouse, people should know. The way you treat your friends, people should know. They should be able to observe the effects of the gospel in your life. But to hear an explanation of the gospel requires we open our mouths. 
And we begin to speak and we begin to tell about what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. And as we speak, the Spirit uses that speech to put words on what He's already doing and to draw the hearts of men and women and teenagers and children to Himself. So when God prompts, just obey. Just step into those spaces and just trust Him with the results. The disciples, they have that choice. We're going to go into all the world and we're going to preach the gospel. And so, so they go and they begin to preach and they proclaim and, and many of them suffer. They're arrested, they're beaten, their words are twisted, their reputations are tarnished. Most of them wind up martyred for their faith. But they understand their biggest kingdom goal is to proclaim the gospel because the gospel is their only investment that will last beyond them. It's the only thing they can give to the world that actually has a hope of bringing lasting transformation. And so they willingly and joyfully give everything they have. And we are here today because of their obedience and the obedience of so many Christians from then until now. And now you and I, we pick up that baton and we begin to run this portion of the race of, hey, at this time in this place, I will be the one who proclaims the goodness, the glory, and the grace of God. And the crazier the world gets around us, the more a divided and hostile world needs to hear a church declaring the peace, hope, joy, and salvation, and eternal hope of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, it stands out, it shines like a light in the darkness. But you've got to be willing to speak. Right? You've got to be willing to do it. And then Jesus finishes with one last statement, just in case we haven't got it yet. He tells us we are to go into all the world, we're to preach the gospel to all creation. So all the world also includes all creation. But he says it twice, almost because he knows our tendency of, okay, so I'm going to go into the world. I'll go into all the world even. And I'll preach the gospel, but I'm going to go into all the world and I'm going to preach the gospel to people who look like me, talk like me, think like me, make me comfortable. I'll go into all the world and I'll preach the gospel to whatever person most closely resembles the tribe that I came from. I'll go into all the world and I'll, I'll preach the gospel to people who don't have cultural customs that offend me. I'll go into all the world and preach the gospel to the people who seem peaceful, not violent. But Jesus wants us to understand we're to go into all the world and we're to preach the gospel to everyone who's there. We're not selective in who we preach it to. We don't know how they'll respond. We can't control how they'll respond. But our job is to go and to proclaim and to preach. And so what does that mean for you and I? First of all, it means that, that everywhere we go, God has a plan for every person we encounter. And part of his plan is for us to be engaged in the proclamation of his truth to them. So if God puts other people in my life, then he wants them to hear about him from me. And I have now a responsibility in that setting. Now, I know, I know that's hard for some of us. Again, different job restrictions, different things where you're not real sure what you can do or how you can do it. And, and all I can say is I trust the Spirit to help you navigate that process. We're happy to help you navigate it as a community of believers. But I know everywhere I go, God has a, a responsibility for me to be part of his presence in those lives. So it means that the coworkers you like and the coworkers you don't like, God has a plan for all of them. Right? If, if you're an educator, the students you adore and the students that you're just counting down the days till they move on to the next classroom, he has a plan for every one of them. The neighbor that you love to hang out with and the neighbor that you keep putting the for sale signs in their yard. He has a plan for every single one of them. And his plan is if they're in your life, 
you're somehow going to be part of proclaiming his gospel to them. That he sees them, he knows them, he loves them, he has a plan for them. That he's inviting them into a relationship with him, that he is the source of eternal hope and joy and peace. And so we're just trusting if this is God's plan, then as we step into it, he's going to fulfill it. Right? And, and that's the beauty. So, so we kind of started with the finish line. The kingdoms of, our, of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Jesus also gave us a promise while he was here, though. You know, he tells us, hey, you're going to go build my kingdom. When we build his kingdom, what are we actually building? We're building his church. The church is the community of saints, right? It's all of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. So he says, as you go and preach the gospel, what you're doing is you're making disciples and you're building the church. You're building the community of faith. This is the kingdom goal. And I told you earlier, the beauty of kingdom goals is that God fulfills them through our obedience. It's not on us to control all the results. It's just on us to do our job in the process. And Jesus reassures us of what the end result will be. He tells us in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, as we go into 2021, you might have all kinds of goals, all kinds of hopes, all kinds of dreams. All kinds of this is what I want to happen, this is what I hope will happen, this is relational, this is work, this is school, this is financial, health-wise, this is what we're going to do. And and those might all be good and wonderful, but I cannot tell you with any confidence that any of those are going to happen. Because I don't know what 2021 holds for me, much less you. But the one thing I know is if you dedicate your life to the kingdom goal of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to all of creation, that's the one Jesus has said. If you do that, at the end of 2021, you're going to be able to say, that one happened. I can check that box. I was part of that. Why? Because Jesus makes that promise to us. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not, cannot, shall not overcome it. So this is the goal that we can gladly, joyfully at the beginning of the year say, sign me up for that one. It's spirit-inspired, it's spirit-directed, and the results will be the result of the spirit working in me and through me in the world. So if you're like so many of us at the beginning of this new year, you're wondering, what in the world is going to happen this year? The one thing I can tell you with 100% certainty is Jesus is going to build his church this year. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he doesn't build a church through buildings. He doesn't build it through institutions. He builds it through people. So as you step out and you begin to share the gospel with everyone everywhere, as you begin to tell the stories of God's grace and his mercy, he's going to build the church through those individuals. You're going to see friends and family, neighbors and coworkers come to know Jesus this year. Through our Kingdom Builders investments, as we're supporting ministries and missionaries all over the world, we're going to see men and women who have never heard the name of Jesus come into a relationship with him this year. I can say that with absolute confidence, not because of me, not because of you, not because of who we support, but because Jesus himself promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he builds his church through his people. He builds his church through our surrender to the Spirit. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you. The band's going to come back and lead us in a final song this morning. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, we come to you today thankful. Thankful that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Lord, I I first pray for anyone who's here, anyone who's with us online who doesn't have a relationship with you. 
Lord, they have not said yes. They've not entered into their new identity as your sons and your daughters. I pray that today would be the day that changes. Lord, today as they have heard the gospel proclaimed, that you see them, you know them, you love them and have a plan for them. You want to bring them hope and peace, joy in life. Lord, may they come, repent of their sins, and receive you as their Lord, their Savior, and their King. Lord, I pray for those of us who have surrendered to you. Will you once again come by the power of your Spirit and give us kingdom eyes and kingdom goals. Help us to see how we can attach our temporary lives, our resources to your eternal kingdom and be part of what you're doing to build your church through the people around us. Lord, as we go back to our homes, to our neighborhoods, to work and to school tomorrow, pray that we would go confidence, Lord, knowing that you have called us into those places. You've called us to every person there, and you've called us to share your story with them. And Lord, we ask that as we share, your spirit would work and move, and we would see men and women, teenagers and children saying yes to you over and over and over again in 2021. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.